You're listening to Carl and Kenner's Hitting the Bar for your weekly football news, for all of your football views, and yes, that football banter. One, a Tottenham supporter, the other, an Arsenal supporter, all here on Carl and Kenner's Hitting the Bar. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Carl and Kenner's Hitting the Bar. The football podcast from Monocles to Man Buns. I'm joined by Steve Kenson and Jeff Saunders. First of all, Steve, good afternoon or evening. Good afternoon. We're back. We're bad. We've got faces like smashed up peanut brittle. Lovely. And uh, yeah, we're here for your delectation. Thank you very much. Now we're going to start with all the latest transfer news and gossip. Of course, it rolls on the Gareth Bale saga. We'll start with that. I'm going to turn to Jeff first of all, because uh, you've got a lot of opinions about this. First of all, of course, there's been a rumour this week that Gareth Bale may be going to Tottenham for around £54 million. Real Madrid will be substituting half his wages. His agent has come out and said, I do not comment on rubbish. Meaning, of course, that he, he doesn't think that's going to happen. Obviously, that's what he's telling us. What is your opinion on this? What's going to happen with that one? And why? Well, well, why are we hearing this now? OK, I, I think your assumption that, that it means it isn't going to happen is, is wrong. Could well happen. It's, but Gareth Bale can only say one thing i'm you know i'm a real madrid player and uh, i carry on he can't be seen to be right well bale's agent can only say one thing and as as bale has been doing i'm a real madrid player i'll carry on being a real madrid player he he cannot say anything else can he well it was his birthday this week he's just turned 30 he's quite happy playing golf isn't he pulling in the what is it 600 grand a week well whether he's happy or not we don't actually know do we but it's he didn't create this situation He's he's in well. Some of us would say he's in a great position. He plays golf, gets six hundred grand a week. I think he'd much rather play, to be honest. Yeah. But the six hundred thousand a week is the issue. If he could go to Tottenham for say fifty four million in the current market, okay, that's that's a fair price given his age. Real Madrid subsidise half the six hundred a week, so Tottenham spend three hundred, which is big money for them. But yes, yes. Real Madrid spend three hundred, so Real Madrid's wages wage bill goes down three hundred. So they should be happy. Should be a good deal all round. Yeah, I mean, what do you think, uh, Steve? Would I mean, you know, because there, there are talk of Arsenal being um, linked with Dani Alves, who's who's on a free. Mm. Uh, these are both two players on the brink of being past their prime. Do you think Bell could do a job at Tottenham? I think. And what does that mean to him as as a footballer to his career to go back? I, I think certainly Bell can do a job at Tottenham. There is no reason why he can't. Thirty years old winger, you know. Um, okay, he's it's going to be slowing down at that age. But let's be honest, he is a class act. He's always been a class act. Tracking back, going forward, supplying. He he can do it all. That doesn't leave you. You know, he will, obviously, he's going to slow up. His mind's not going to slow up. His body might slow up. But he will adapt. Players do adapt. You know, you look look at some of the best players around. You know, even Wayne Rooney, let's take him for an example. You know, drop back as an attacking midfielder. Almost had a new lease of life. Indeed, I mean, he did it for Everton. He did it for England as well in his later uh, career with England. Jeff. Um, yeah, but uh, sorry, going back to to Gareth Bale, these uh, the players are much much fitter than they were years and years ago. How old is Ronaldo now? He's also thirty three, I believe. Thirty, thirty, thirty. Yeah, thirty three. And nobody would say he isn't fit, would you? No, I mean you I put mean, him up against any twenty-year-old. Yeah, exactly. You? So you, they, they extend their lives now. With you know, he is obviously very fit, and I don't see why he can't do a great job for Tottenham for three or four years. Yeah, I mean, where would he slot in, Steve? Um, you could, in theory, put him in as an attacking midfielder. There's nothing, nothing against that. You know, I, I think that he would fit quite nicely as an attacking midfielder. He's not going to track back in the same way as he used to. 
because I don't think he's going to have the speed uh, on a physical level. But you don't lose that level of skill overnight. I think the the issue for me in the Tottenham team would be he's in the position that that Son currently plays. So do you need you know do they need him? I mean, and that's that's going to be the issue for Pochettino. So Pochettino is after this Zaniola from from Roma. He seems to be the desired buy by Tottenham at the moment. So you know it might all be speculation. It might all die. If I was a Tottenham fan, I'd want him back. Well, there is. I mean, Tottenham fans are, are in two minds, as fans normally are, mm. about these things. Some say, let's not go back to the past. Others are, you know, saying we want to move forward. But the, you're talking about a class player. He won two Champions Leagues for Madrid, Real Madrid, practically on his own, didn't he, really? I mean, let's be fair. To be honest, look, Henri came back to Arsenal after Barcelona. OK, he only played, what, a handful of games, I think, I think a dozen. He still scored five or six goals in that time. A class player doesn't lose the ability he loses bodily functions you know he, he can't run as well he can't track back he can't tackle as well but from a, a, a perspective of having a football in brain you can adapt look at Peter Crouch how old was he when he retired he was 38 right he's retired, 38 years old last week, now, he was still still scoring goals still able to do it now okay we're not going to say Peter Crouch is in the same league as Gareth Bale but he could still do a job he was still putting that ball in the back of the net, which is what he's paid to do. Well, actually, Peter Crouch had a little bit of a change of mind this week on Twitter, talking about the tennis Wimbledon, of course, as last week. He said, if Roger Federer can play like that at 37, perhaps I should carry on. To which our Twitter account suggested, what about doing a farewell tour, Peter? Just do one season at every club you played at. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be playing until he's 53. <laughs> yeah, really, yeah. yeah. But um, we shall see Gareth Bale to Tottenham or not. Not down to him, much more down to Real Madrid and their financial... <coughs> The financial, the hey, finance listen, department. If Spurs don't want him, Arsenal will happily take him. Well, they've been linked with everybody else, so why not? Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, I got, I got a phone call last week. I got a nice pair of orange football boots. <laughs> Lovely. And they were looking to sign me up, but I said, Stan, no. Well, talking of Stan Cronkett, let's talk about the statement, or rather, let's talk about the open letter that uh, fans, Arsenal fans, penned to the, uh, shall we call it the regime, the owners, this week, or last week, um, uh, as you're listening to this. Uh, demanding a regime change, demanding the club spend money on players. His son, Josh Cronker, who's obviously on the board, uh, his response to it was uh, the following. I understand that the fans just want us to spend money, but frankly, that's not their job. Their job is to come and cheer us on the pitch. Now, of course, he owns the club, not the fans. We've, we've had this discussion in a previous podcast. It's a business. It belongs to them. It doesn't belong to the fans. However, a little bit of diplomacy, a little bit of tact, and a little bit of understanding of the nature of the game in England and its roots when fans were the basis of the club would have gone a long way there to shutting the fans up. And they won't. Arsenal fans won't be quiet. They will be heard, not in the stadium, but um, outside of it. They will say a lot about this. They, they, they've, you know, they've got a lot of grievances. What do you think about this, Jeff? Then I'll come to Steve. Um, I think it was a very stupid thing for him to say. It's like a, it was a Gerard Ratner comment, wasn't it? Yes. Do you remember when Ratner was at his annual general meeting? Yeah, the, the jewellery company. And someone asked him about the quality. He said, well, it's crap, isn't it? And, and he almost <laughs> destroyed his company, you know. Yeah, well, you, he you, did because he said, we sell crap. Yeah. And that was the end of Ratner's yeah. The Jewellery. And this is what the, the cronky boy is saying. You know, you, you lot just, just turn up and pay the money and watch and leave, leave everything to us. But, there, you know, there is a fact that these owners particularly the ones who own American sports clubs as well, they are not interested in winning the Premier League or winning the Champions League. They want to be in the league and do well enough to earn 
the big money. Now, right. the, the, the question, therefore, for young Kroenke is, if, you, if the limit of your ambition is $25 million for Everton from Gremio, what ambition is that? Mm. Are, are you going to get in the Champions League only spending that sort of level of money and picking up 33-year-old fullbacks who've been through, uh, <laughs> shoved out by Barcelona because he wasn't good enough, then did was it PSG or something, some nonsense team, and then, so what? Yeah, you, you're, you're not going to make the Champions League doing that. No, I'm going to come to Steve because Steve twofold as an Arsenal fan, I wanted to ask this, answer this in two ways. Firstly, as an Arsenal fan, emotionally, your response to his response to that letter and your opinion about the letter, and then a sort of more measured kind of pundit version of the answer. My my response to my direct response to Josh Cronkett, if he ever listens to this is when a dog is about to take a chunk out of you, you don't drop your shorts, bend over and offer it your cheek, which is exactly what he's done here. He's letting them in, isn't he, to have a go at him? Yeah. Uh, and to be honest, it was possibly the most stupid statement I've heard in a very long time in relation to football. There needs to be some empathy there. If you own a football club, you have a responsibility. You are a custodian. That is all you are. You are a custodian. Arsenal, along with every other football club in the league have had a number of custodians over the decades, over the centuries, actually, a couple of centuries. Cronkiers are nothing more than current custodians of the club. Now, if they can run that club well, then good luck to them. If they can run it financially well, then great. That is fantastic. I am all for that. But ultimately, the Cronkiers, along with any other chairman of any other club, have a goddamn responsibility to the fans because ultimately those fans are paying good money to see football now, whether it be good football, bad football, is actually irrelevant. They are there to support that club. And for him to come out with a statement like that is just borderline insulting. Now, that's your emotional response, or is that right? Now, as a pundit, somebody looking on the game, podcasting and commenting on a radio show, look at it from an objective point of view. Obviously, what he said, I don't think any of us are in disagreement that what he said might have some substance, but was the wrong thing to say. Uh, as a pundit, where does he go from here? The problem is, he's actually he's right, <laughs> and that's the problem. That was my point. Yeah. That that is that is the long and short of it. He's absolutely right. He should have worded it differently. The Cronkies know that they've got to invest. They're not stupid. They do know that they've got to invest money, but they don't want to invest undescribable amount of money into the club. They want to get away with the bare minimum and see results from the bare minimum. Now, I'm not going to say it's impossible because it isn't impossible. Leicester have done it. You know, Leicester have done it. So, yeah, that, you know, that that is a prime example. They've only got, you know, as a fan, as a pundit, if we say to the Cronkies, as well, you know, you've got to invest maybe 150 to 200 million. They'll say, well, hold on a minute. How much did Leicester invest when they won the title? And the trouble is there's no argument against that. Well, this week, of course, it has been rumoured that Arsenal are linked with Danny Alves, who is on a free, and Arsenal have gone back and said, we can't afford that, make us a better offer. Uh, <laughs> Let's move on. I'd, I'd take Elvis. This is the thing. I'd, do you know what? I'd take Cahill as well, who's available on a free. I'd take him as well. We need experience. Sturridge. I'd take Sturridge. Why not? You know, we need experience. We've got young players coming through. Let If we can't afford players, let's bring in youth. Let's bring in some experience on a free, paid on the wages, two, three seasons' time. We'll start to have the makings of a really decent side. All right, we shall see, we shall see. Moving on with uh, more transfers, it's rumoured that Steve Bruce, uh, by the time this podcast goes out, might might be already official. Steve Bruce to Newcastle, he is having talks with them. In light of it, he actually resigned 
from his club Sheffield Wednesday. It has been said that Steve Bruce has a little bit of a loyalty problem uh, because he obviously left Sheffield United, became Sheffield Wednesday manager. He's also now going to be Newcastle manager, having been Sunderland manager. So what do you think the former Birmingham and Aston Villa manager, what kind of team would he shape at Newcastle? They're having, like Arsenal, a little bit of an exodus, Jeff. Mm. A lot of players leaving Newcastle. Yeah, but there, there aren't very many good players there at Newcastle, are there? No, they, I mean, they and, weren't to start with, issue. two or three have gone. Yeah. So, I guess if I was Mike Ashley, I could make an, make an argument that getting somebody from the championship, a manager from the championship, where which is where your next lot of players are going to come from, might not be a bad deal. Possibly. And there's Roy Keane in his in his autobiography was talking up Steve Bruce a lot. Said he was he, he really knowledgeable about football and and is a really good guy as well. So you you've got one of these. There's a public persona and then there's a private persona. So yeah, I mean it might it might turn out to be a good appointment. But the issue for Newcastle is their players are very very bad. Yes, and they that, are. That he's got, is, he's got his is, work cut out. That is that is a relegation squad. It is a relegation squad. But Steve Bruce. Steve well, well, deserves another well, crack at the Premier League? I'm not so sure. I think he's passed his sell-by date. I know this sounds strange for somebody like Steve Bruce, but as we, I think we discussed in, in, a, in another episode, football is, invol- is evolving faster than, than some managers' ability to evolve. So, for instance, Steve Bruce is a prime example. Sam Allardyce is another. Their style of football... Jose Mourinho. Yeah. It's, it's gone. It, it's, it's a part... Arsene Wenger. Past glories, you know. I mean, you were right earlier on in saying Steve, Steve Bruce has loyalty problems. I mean, he's had more clubs than Nick Faldo, but yes. I actually think he'd make a decent manager at Newcastle at a certain level. He'd, he'd probably keep them up, to be honest with you. But uh, as Jeff rightly said, they've not got the players to stay up, and that that's a really, really big problem for Newcastle. And Newcastle are a huge club. What, the one thing that sticks sticking in my mind is how long will Ashley be around? Because if you look at the resurgence of Rangers in the Scottish Premier League, they're more likely to be playing in the Champions League. Will he divert finance, etc., away from Newcastle to Rangers? Indeed. Well, talking of exodus from Newcastle, Jeff's favourite Newcastle player, Solomon Rondon, has left Newcastle to uh, pursue pastures new in China, joining his ex-manager Rafa Benitez over there. Obviously, he's gone for the culture, the same as Rafa Well, the culture, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. and the challenge. And the, the challenge China. of, 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 of course, I mean, yeah. it's not called the Super Chinese League for nothing. No, absolutely. You know, there's there's got to be a reason behind that. Let's move on. There's something I just wanted to talk about very briefly before we have a little look back at past glories in football. A video emerged on YouTube this week in response to a, an anonymous tweet last week uh, from an alleged, I have to say alleged because we don't know yet, championship player said that he is going to come out as gay. Now, the thing about this was that he had to go, or felt he had to go, to his chairman uh, and to the manager of the club to get their permission to come out to, to test the waters, I suppose, to see what they felt. The video is by a fella called Lee the Dorset Spurs. He's a Tottenham Hotspur supporter. It's a brilliant video. In it, he discusses uh, how he faced with his son coming out as gay and how he, he thinks in this world, in this day and age, 2019, it shouldn't be an issue. We shouldn't be chanting homophobic things. He hopes the player is well-treated, but he'd also suggest that it is ridiculous that anybody has to go to their boss and say, is it going to be a problem if I'm gay? Yeah, that, that, that's where I'm coming from in this. Um, to me, it's a complete non-event, and I don't care what anybody else does in the privacy of their bedroom. It's none of my business. In which case, if you believe that, why does someone have to come out publicly? 
Well, I think that's because I think this is the the paradox of it. I suppose um, he probably feels he needs to because it's going to come out anyway, and that would cause problems. We don't know the, the the reasoning behind it, but obviously he has had to. Maybe somebody is going to out him, uh, and he's had to go to his chairman. We don't know. But my my point is that and Lee the Dorset Spur. He's and do check out his video on YouTube. He's got a lot of football videos on there. Very very erudite and interesting man. Does make the point very very well that in this day and age it shouldn't matter. Right, and okay. his other point, Jeff, sorry to interrupt you, his other point was when the fella is playing against Tottenham, he will give the fella a lot of stick for playing badly and who he plays for, but he would never mention his sexuality because, with, like with racism, it shouldn't be heard on the football terraces. You give people banter and stick for other things. So, Lee, well done for that great video. But, uh, Jeff, just to round that up quickly. Yeah, if his reason for, for coming out publicly is to make a statement and to try to change perceptions of Which people. could be. Okay, fine. Then then I'm, I'm with him 100%. But otherwise, I, I would have thought, to me, I think, well, it's such a non-event. Why are you making an event of it? Well, we don't know. Maybe we'll find out when he does come out. Steve, briefly on this one and we'll move on. Uh, very briefly, I want to congratulate the player on doing what he feels is the right thing to do. I think more footballers, more sportsmen, more people, should not be ashamed of who they are, what they are, regardless of their sexuality, race, creed or colour. I think that is a good point to finish that discussion. I think you put that really well, Steve. Lee, thank you for that video. You've you've started a conversation there that needed to be said. Check him out, Lee the Dorset Spur on YouTube. Right, moving on. Now then, Jeff, I, I believe you've got a trivia question for us, as usual. Yeah, uh, Sven-Goran Eriksson, the, the ex-manager of England. He managed England for 67 matches. But there is something unique about Sven Goring and Ericsson as England manager. What is it? All right, so we're going to have the answer to that trivia question at the end of the podcast. That kind of moves us nicely on to the next segment because England manager, we're going to look at some of the worst ever players to play for England, some of the luckiest guys, mm. I suppose, to be given at several caps. We're going to go over a few of them now, Steve. Yeah, bear in mind, these are not necessarily the worst players, but they're perceived as some of the worst players. doesn't necessarily mean they are. No, they so were just bad for England. Yeah, I mean, the they, these were really, really very talented players that just really didn't seem to perform at England level. We'll start off with um, Alan Smith. Arsenal's Alan Smith. Yeah, because there are two Alan Smiths, of course. There are indeed. He, he just failed to turn up for England. Two goals in 13 international games. A little bit, un a little bit unlucky, you know, had Lineker in front of him. Then we get to Carlton Palmer. Carlton Palmer, yeah. Mm. yeah I mean, you know, a lot of uh, hope pinned on him. I, uh, yeah, again, another player. 18 international caps. And, and you know, he's just... I just never performed at England level. Peter Bonetti. This is one for Jeff, I believe. Yeah, Peter Bonetti. What a name. Well, yeah, and, and I actually scored a penalty against him. Well, that just shows how bad he was. Well, while I was wearing a business suit and and brogues. Oh, so. really? What happened? Just talk us through that. Oh well, no, well, it was the uh, it was an event for the final of Euro '96, and it's put on by Canon, who was a supplier of, of the company I worked for. And there was a head tennis competition, which I nearly won. You could take penalties against Peter Benetti, and I sent him the wrong way. It was a good penalty, actually, best penalty I ever took. <laughs> but he's no, I think he was terribly overrated goalkeeper. Never understood why he played for why he played for England. And, of course, he only played in that quarter-final because of injury and sickness to the other two goalkeepers. Maybe one of them had to go back because his father died or something, something like that, so, and which cost us a semi-final place in, uh, in Mexico. Absolutely, yeah. What else have we got there, Steve? 
Now, again, this is another one for Jeff, who has is convinced by by something, and I'll let him explain. Luther Blissett. Yeah. Over to you again, Jeff. <laughs> well, I will I will go to my grave believing that Milan bought Blissett by accident, and they actually they actually wanted the other black player at Watford, who, of course, was John Barnes. And they were shocked when Blissett turned up. <laughs> <laughs> well, which he very rarely did on a football pitch with turning up. Mm. Shall, shall we have one more? Yeah, go on. Yeah, go yeah. Trevor Sinclair. Picked for England on the back of that overhead kick, which was possibly the best overhead kick ever scored, with the exception of Pele's one in Escape to Victory. He never managed to repeat that, that performance at England level at any game that he appeared in. Yeah. Um, just to briefly, we had a look in the research for this at a very well-known website called Bleacher Report, internationally known for their statistics and articles on various sports. They included Wayne Rooney in their list of 51 worst players for England because he didn't turn up for championships. Can we just state for the record that he holds the record for highest goals scored for England and caps, and he's been cap- was captain for a long time, he was surrounded by other players. He couldn't do it on his own. Yeah. I think the Bleacher Report got that one seriously Yeah, whoever right. wrote that, I'm, I'm really, really sorry, but that was nonsense. There you go. Moving on, uh, we're going to have a little history of Preston North End. Just a very, a very potted brief history. The original Invincibles, Preston North End, won the title 88, 89, first ever double winners. They've won two top flight titles, uh, 1888, 89 and 1889, 1890. They've also obviously won a couple of um, FA Cups, 1889, 1938, uh, played, played at Deepdale. They were formed out of a cricket a cricket club, by the way, and there are they are only one of two other sides who have North End in their name. Do you know the other Chris? Not Chris North End. What are you talking about? No, oh, no, right. no, no, no. Are no, you no. asking me? I'm asking you. I don't know. I'm asking you. It's a non-league side. No. I'll give you a clue. They played in the FA Vars Trophy against North Shields three seasons ago. Not a clue, that is it? That isn't a clue. That's the best clue you're going to get. Well, you'll have to tell us what it is. Glossop North End. Never heard of them. Um, what do you mean? You've never heard, <laughs> never of, heard Glossop of Glossop North End? Never heard of them. Good uh, lord! All right then. So that's that's Preston North End for you. Steve left off the most important thing about Preston North End, which oh, yes. is, of course is that West Ham beat them in the 1964 <laughs> Cup final. And that's possibly you know that because you're a West Ham fan. I like Preston fans. So I didn't want to upset them. <laughs> all right. Listen, uh, something Steve wants to do, and I know it's going to pain him a lot, but he had, it was his suggestion: a Spurs best squad. Uh, looking back over the years. After I cleared the needles from my throat and unglued my eyes, we've got a, got a fine selection of... of well, I, I, t- I use the word fine. Well, we've got a selection of players for from who, who played at the Tottenham Marshes. Yes, go on. Go on. Get, or, get on or, or what is now known as the Armitage Shanks Arena. <clears throat> so, Can I just say yeah. that the Marshes are actually the Hackney Marshes? No, 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 there were marshes at Tottenham as well. Back in, well, back know, in the uh, the hail goes all the way up to Chesham, but yeah, yeah. But that's, look, let's play. Let's face it. It's a bog. That's it. It's a bog. It oh. might be a bog, but some of the best players ever to play for England came off those football pitches. So, so don't diss them. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Right. Who are, these, who are these? What? Make some suggestions, and well, Jeff and I will uh, give our comments. Some uh, of the best players to ever play for yeah, Tottenham Hotspur t- uh, since seventy. Since 1975-ish, Jennings, Clements, Larice, or Robinson in goal. What, what, what's your uh, what's your view, chaps? Jennings, I yeah, think. I both think Jeff we're, and we're I are unanimous in that. Jeff and yeah, now, Jennings. I have a list of defenders here, mixture of full-backs and centre-backs. John Lacey, Steve Perriman, Toby Aldevald, Ledley King, 
Sol Campbell. No. Oh, look at Chris's <laughs> no. face. Look at his face. No. 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 Um, Gary Ledley. Mab. Gary Mabbott. Gary Mabbott. Ledley King. For me. Ah, uh, hold on, hold on. I haven't finished yet. Graham Roberts, who was an absolute legend. Paul Miller. Danny Rose. Fennick. Walker. I'll stick with Chris on that. What? Um, I don't know which year we we're talking about, but. To have a Tottenham eleven that doesn't have Dave Mackay in is a bit strange. Uh, Dave Mackay, I think he packed in in 72 for Spurs or 73. Yeah, but, but you can't have a Tottenham, best Tottenham eleven ever without Dave Mackay. It's McKay not the best it. eleven. It's the best eleven since 75. Yeah, oh, it doesn't matter. We're having him. <laughs> you're having you're having Dave Mackay. Right. And Ledley. Um, you're having Dave Mackay and Ledley King. Don, dodgy leggy Ledley, but still. You're not uh, having Campbell? No. Why ever not? Why are you not having Campbell? Okay, I, I, I come, come to this as a West Ham fan, as you know. And I always thought Sol Campbell was one of the most overrated central defenders I'd ever seen in my life. All those things which Tottenham fans used to go on about, oh, it's fantastic, sliding tackle, etc. He only did it because he was out of position all the damn time. There you go, that's your answer to that one, Steve. He's just not good enough. And also so it's got nothing to do with your prejudice in relation to the fact he crossed the North London divide. No, nothing to do with that. So, yes. <laughs> I was just going to say, tell your line, your lips are moving. Yes, uh, Ledley King. Right. So, what about fullbacks? Go on. Well, I've got, I've got Alderweireld. We got Rose, Walker. I think you know Rose and Walker, great servants for Tottenham. But would they make an all-time sixteen? Well, Steve Perryman. And Steve Perryman. Steve, I think. Steve Perryman. I think. Has got with to all due respect to Danny Rose, who has been brilliant for Tottenham over the years, I think you've got to stick um, Steve Perryman there. So, so you're going to go with Perryman. We're going to go with King, and we're going to go... Uh, who's the other centre-back? Graham Roberts. Graham Ro- you were going to say Graham Roberts. Yep. Ma- and Dave oh, Mackay. Dave Mackay, yes, Dave Mackay. of course. I forgot. Yeah, Mr. Mackay. Yeah, okay. And and the other centre-back, so we've got Danny Rose, you're saying? Yep. Okay. I would stick him in there, I think. Mm. What would you say, Jeff? I would have. I would break your rule again and have Cyril Knowles, because he's, he's a legend at Tottenham. Nice one, Cyril. The, the, the eponymous Cyril from C- oh, Nice One, Cyril, the song, which they still sing today. Some of the people singing it don't even know who he was, but there we are. It was even a hit record, wasn't it? Nice one, Cyril. Hmm. Uh, all about him scoring goals and that. But um, So let's stick him in. Just All right, just let's, have, let's have him, just, just, to, just to please you. Yes. Because they're your team. They are. They're not my team. No. Not remotely. Go on, not move it close. on. Midfield, Gazza. Yep, Shewin. Okay. Paul Gascoigne, legend at Tottenham. So, legend for England. Great player. Here's an interesting selection for you. Ginola. I thought he was coming up, yep. Uh, Hoddle. Waddle. Anderson, Villa, Ardias, Sinton, Son, Hazard, Peter Taylor, Genus, Bale, Modric. No, Ooh, that is a tough one. You, I mean, Modric, uh, I would have probably in there. But the, the amount of time he spent at Tottenham compared to some of the older players you've mentioned there. Would you have him ahead of Hoddle? I would. I would. Ha- I would not have him ahead of uh, Waddle. Uh, Waddle. Hoddle. Hoddle. I would definitely have Hoddle in there. Ginola didn't spend enough time. I don't think it's Tottenham to to justify him coming into that team. Great player and mm. all that. Came in around the time Tottenham started to turn things around a little bit. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think the modern Tottenham era starts with Martin Joel. Despite what people think of his, um, him as a manager, he made Tottenham become a much a, a, a team of contenders. Would you, Would you have a midfield three then? Of Gaza, Hoddle, and Modric. Osvaldo Ardiles, World Cup winner. N- not even on the list. Was I'd, I'd, I'd have him. I'd have Ardiles. And you have to have Hoddle. I mean, you, yes. Hoddle, you, you build the damn thing around Hoddle, don't you? Yeah. So we'd have Hoddle, Ardiles. Yeah, you've got to have Ardiles in there. So we've got Gaza, Hoddle, Ardiles. Who's the fourth midfielder? If we're having, f- oh, yeah, I mean, three or four? Four, four, two. 
four four two. Best car combination has always been Pete, four Peter four two, Taylor, Chris, Chris Waddle, Chris but Waddle. I think was Waddle, was Waddle better than Taylor? Yes. Yeah. I, th I think I'm okay. going to agree with Jeff's nodding his head. Uh, and Waddle and Hoddle together, you know, diamond, um, <laughs> diamond lights. Do you remember that? Yeah, I knew you were going to bring that up. Yeah, I, I, wish I, I hadn't. I don't think I've ever heard a worse football song than that. No, it was pretty. It was I mean, it, it, it's pretty pitch. bad. Although Peter Checks is up there as being one of the worst as well. Yeah. Gascoigne's Fog on the Time was pretty, oh, uh, pretty abysmal. Honestly. Uh, in a future episode, we might have a look back at some of those worst football songs by footballers. Right. Up front, Lineker, Kane, Lee, Colin Lee, Mark Falco, Archibald, no. Crooks, Allen, Sheringham, Klinsman. Uh, Klinsman, Sheringham, Lineker and Kane for me. You I can't have all four. four of them. Two on the bench and two up front. Jeff? No, I, I go with you. Uh, which I don't know which ones you pick. Which two together, though, yeah. Which two to, I, I really don't know. But but again, I just throw in the the sense in having an all-time Tottenham, you know, a, a Tottenham eleven that doesn't have Jimmy Greaves in it. Right. And Let's add him in. Let, and, and, and you haven't got Martin Peters in there either. So. Ooh. Well, now you've made it difficult. But I would, I'd love to have... Sheringham and, and Lineker together would have been great. Or Lineker and Grimmett Jimmy Greaves together would be great. You couldn't have Lineker and Greaves together. Or almost identical as played. Yeah, you could have Lineker, Lineker and Sheringham together. I think that's it's a, a fantastic really combination. potent combination. And then we'll have on the bench, we will have Jimmy Greaves. Just, just, just to please, Jeff. Yep. And also, who else was there? I'd put Klinsman there. Klinsman. Klinsman. I actually, I was in Sheffield when Tottenham played Sheffield Wednesday on his debut for Tottenham. And he did that famous dive when he scored his goal. And I, unfortunately, was in the Wednesday end. So when he scored, I just went, yep. <laughs> unfortunately, when we scored our third goal to win the game, I did stand up and shout. Um, <laughs> unfortunate incident. And uh, I can tell you, Sheffield Municipal Hospital, great place. Right, what we've got? Tottenham 16. Okay, starting 11. Jennings, Perryman, Mackay, Knowles. Oh, who was our 55th? Oh, Ledley King. Nearly Ledley. forgot Ledley King there. Uh, midfield of Gaza, Hoddle, Waddle, and Ardiaz up front. Lineker and Sheringham with Clements, Mabbott, Modric, Greaves, and Klinsman on the bench. Not a bad little team, that is it. A damn think. good team. And there are so many we've left out that could have made that team as well. So, despite us, uh, uh, it being Tottenham, right? Let's move on because we've only got a few minutes left. Uh, let's go back to some of the transfer rumours and happenings uh, from this week, and we'll start with Jeff and then go to for commentary on that and punditry, uh, back to Steve. So, Jeff, what's been happening? Uh, very few completed deals, but some interesting things happening. I don't know if you remember the um, the Ajax forward, or midfield forward player, Hakim Ziyech, in the, the semi-final of the Champions League. Looked really, really against good. Against Tottenham, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, against Tottenham. His football director at, at Ajax, who is Overmars, is punting him around at the moment. He, he said yesterday, 31.5 million for Ziyech, is brilliant because he's twice as good as Ozil at half the price. Except now, why is the, the, the director of football at Ajax trying to yep. sell one of his own players? That's really interesting. Steve, I'm going to come to you because he mentioned there Ozil, you know, he's half the price and all that, and twice as good. Of course, there is the famous song about Deli Alley. Mm. Um, he's better than Ozil and he only costs five mil. In this case, we're talking about a player that I'm not sure if Jeff is indicating there that Arsenal have a chance of signing him. But if Overmars who runs the club where he plays, is punting it, punting him out, basically, to Arsenal. I mean, obviously, there is a bit of a link there, of course. Would you... I mean, this fella, <coughs> very, very cheap. Very, We saw him in both semi-finals of the Champions League against Tottenham. 
he was superb. I think there's more likelihood of Overmars coming over to Arsenal than there is of this player, to be totally honest with you. But it's interesting. The player itself actually is not that interesting in relation to Overmars' comment. What's he doing punting him to, to a rival? Yeah, there must be something he knows that uh, we don't. But it's an interesting uh, sort of... It, I mean, it's a very interesting situation. However, Arsenal are trying to, trying to put aside £25 million to get the Gremio midfielder Everton, who had a very, very good Copper America this year. Mm. £25 million for him, is, and Arsenal are very, very keen, apparently. So that probably will happen. Right, so there's one for you, Everton to Arsenal. Yeah, uh, Gre- Gremio, um, this, this is interesting. Now, uh, South American defenders don't seem to travel well when they play for Arsenal at all. I can only remember one that did really well for us, and that was Silvino before he had his issues with his passport, etc. But aside from Edu and Gilberto Silva, it seems every South American player that we seem to sign, and certainly in a defensive or a defensive midfield role, is not able to... It just doesn't travel. Doesn't, ha- doesn't happen doesn't for Arsenal. Okay, down the Seven Sisters Road, or up the Seven Sisters yep. Road, actually, to, to Tottenham. Roma have had their commercial director there for the last couple of days talking about getting Alderweireld to, to Roma from Tottenham. And Pochettino likes the look of Nicola Zaniola mm-hmm. from Roma. He's a very big, powerful, six foot three, very powerful left foot, good player, and Pochettino likes him a lot. So there's, there's a deal to be done there. Go east a little bit and to, to West Ham. Sebastian Haller was, oh, having, yes. a, was having a medical today at, at West Ham. So forty-five million for him. He scored thirty-three goals in seventy-seven appearances in the Bundesliga. Oh, so he's got a good conversion rate. That is a very good, uh, fantastic, and good stick, signing for yeah, West Ham. Stick him together with Pablo Fornals, who came from Villarreal a couple of weeks ago. And if, if anyone wants to know how good Fornals is, look on YouTube for his goal for Villarreal against Athletic Bilbao. It's phenomenal. Stunning. It's absolutely stunning. stunning goal. It's a good business for West Ham. Yeah, some possible signings for uh, Arsenal. And Tottenham having a little bit of a clear out. Uh, yeah, with Trippier, 25 million to Atletico Madrid. That's a current international, England international, being sold mil. for 25 million. Good deal, Steve? I think that's a very good deal. What was what was interesting was the Alderweireld potential transfer, because there was actually talk of Unai Emery being interested in him as well. Now, that, that would be one hell of a signing for Arsenal if they could get hold of him. The uh, Trippier Trippier is a strange one. I'm surprised that Spurs would let him go. To be honest, maybe with he you. actually wants to go. No, th- no. The the word is Pochettino wants him out. The, you know, it's one of these situations where it's harder to get out of the England team than it is to get out of your club team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with the with Tottenham's recent transfer history, I mean, two transfer windows bought absolutely nobody. The transfer windows before that, we're going back, you know, three seasons, hardly bought anybody. I think. Pochettino a little bit smells blood at the moment. He can he can smell the crisp pages of Levy's checkbook, and he's going to do what he can, and that might mean having to get players out, and he's going to try and do as much business as he can. Yeah, but how much will Spurs have to spend given the stadium? You know, they've, they've barely been in it five minutes. How much money have they really got to spend? And should they be offloading players of, of Trippier's undoubted quality? At this stage. Well, the issue about undoubted quality is that uh, is clearly that Pochettino doesn't agree about him being undoubted yeah. quality. Oh, if Pochettino sp- wants him out, he's gone. We've just spent and, £64 and million on a new player. That's a club record. Uh, money might be an object, of course, Steve, as you say, a billion mm. pounds for the stadium. 
but they do seem to be flashing the cash a little bit more freely than if, in past years. If Trippier is surplus to requirement, I'd suggest it's not because necessarily Pochettino wants him out, but Pochettino might have to push him out so that he can finance other transfers. It could be that. There will be more transfers at Tottenham. West Ham doing some business. Arsenal still, we don't I th- know. I think West Ham are doing the best business at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that Haller looks a really, really good player. And he's got a very, very good scoring record. Yeah, and talking to transfers and all that, round it up because we have just about run out of time. Just a quick, the gift that keeps on giving, Manchester United. <laughs> uh, because their transfer window so far has been nothing short of chaotic and calamitous. I, it makes me wonder, actually, how long Solskjaer's going to be in his position, you know? I think he's feeling the pressure a little I bit, d- you know, and the whole Pogba saga is rolling on. Uh, Lukaku, is he leaving easy? Isn't We just don't know what's happening. They're not much, they haven't really made any big signings. Uh, they've signed a championship player, was it, Jeff? And they've, they've, they've signed two players. Yeah, both they got from D- Daniel James from Swansea for... Swansea, yes. For, you know, two packets of crisps and, a, you know, whatever... No, it's a farce, isn't it? And they're rumoured, or apparently today they've offered De Gea an absolute fortune, making him the highest paid player there, even even more money than Sanchez. So so we've got another Pogba, Ozil, Sanchez situation where the player that doesn't want to be there mm. being on incredible money, which makes him impossible to sell. Yeah, So it's, it's bizarre. If you were worried, Steve, about Arsenal's transfer policy, at least you could look over at Manchester United and smile Riley to yourself, I think yeah, you're in a look, better, healthier position. Look at those. Their, their top three earners are going to be De Gea, Sanchez and Pogba, none of whom want to play for the club. But then in this situation, the, the, the players that are signing at the moment, the, the, or the, the few players that they've signed at the moment, does indicate that Solskjaer could actually be in a Bruce Rioch situation and be out within a season. All right, well, listen, we, on this, this podcast, we make a few predictions. I predicted that Newcastle will be in a relegation battle. Are you predicting that Solskjaer could be out before the end of the season? Yeah. All right, you heard it here first. We're going to wrap it up there. First of all, though, let's go to Jeff, uh, who's going to repeat our trivia question and give you the answer. Right, Ben Goran Eriksson as manager of England, 67 matches, and he's the only England manager never to, never to manage the team in a home game at Wembley Stadium. So there we are. No England manager before Ericsson. Every, every one of them has managed the game at Wembley, the home of English football. And and for those that suggest, well, what about before Wembley was built? England had a selection team rather than a manager or a coach. So it's the only manager not to play at Wembley. Hmm. Uh, and 67 games as well. That covers a long period of time. Although there are many that suggested Colton Palmer as a player never turned up at Wembley when he played. Yes, there are a few <laughs> of those. That's all we've got time for. Thank you very much. First of all, thank you to Steve Kenton. <laughs> thank who you. Who is, of course, the Kenners of Carl and Kenners. Yes. Thank you to Steve. <laughs> thank you very much. And to Jeff Saunders, our West Ham fan. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. All right. I'm Chris Carl. This has been Carl and Kenners. Hitting the bar, football from monocles to man buns, the football podcast. Join us for episode 11 coming out very shortly. You're listening to Carl and Kenner's Hitting the Bar for your weekly football news, for all of your football views. And yes, that football banter. One, a Tottenham supporter. The other, an Arsenal supporter. All here on Carl and Kenner's Hitting the Bar.